didn't like the really hand, heavy-handed, like, I'm a scientist and I want to tear down the church. And her like, <laughs> but I'm a religious person and I just want the church there because my daddy done built it. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 375 with our review of Zia's for Zachariah, and I'm Christopher Schnazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, as we said, we will be uh, talking about the serious version of Last Man on Earth. And uh, should be good times, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. If I good times, I mean, probably not good times at all. We'll we'll just see how it goes. Yeah. And uh, we're probably, I mean, probably, I'm, I'm saying this as if it's new information to us, but just to let everybody know, we're probably going to have to save a lot of the conversation for a more spoiler, spoilery segment. So we'll try to get through as best we can our thoughts about the film in non-spoiler territory. But basically, to really talk about, at least for me, to talk about my thoughts about the film... I really have to speak to direct things that are happening in the story in a way that uh, if you're interested in seeing this film, uh, it would theoretically ruin it for you. So, Right. I mean, I think the, the trailer gives away some of it, but we're definitely going to have to talk details, I think, to talk about whether it works or it doesn't work. Yeah, well, the, the IMDB description is literally, I think it actually uses the word love triangle, yeah. In the wake of a disaster that wipes out most of civilization, two men and a young woman find themselves in an emotionally charged love triangle as the last known survivors. Um, mm -hmm. So that is like, that is what they are selling the movie. As. So we can talk about the fact that for most of the movie, there's only two people, and then suddenly another person comes into the picture. <laughs> Isn't it always like that, though? <laughs> You're saying this is a good metaphor for life in general? Things are going great between the two of you, and then... All of a sudden, Chris Pine walks off the set of a neighboring Nicholas Sparks movie and <laughs> just waltzes into your movie and decides to take your woman away. <laughs> or, or maybe doesn't decide to. I mean, we don't, we don't know yet. We're not in spoiler territory, so. We might never know. <laughs> that, is, that is true. In fact, there's a lot of questions I have for you about the end of this film, Mr. Stephen Miller. It's one of those things that makes more questions than it makes answers, you know? <laughs> I, I can't tell whose voice you were trying to do. <laughs> Just like some <laughs> snobby person who's really excited about something in a movie. Yeah, no one, no one in particular. Okay, good. It's the same voice that says, like, Manhattan is almost a character in the movie. Ah, uh, gotcha. Well, yeah, I'm not sure how excited I am <laughs> for this movie. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but uh, did, should, we just, should we just rip the band-aid off and get into it? Uh, yeah, we might as well. All right, we are going to take a listen to the trailer for Z is for Zachariah, or Z for Zachariah. There's no is, right? No, no is. Okay, no is. We're doing it the Clinton way. Um. <laughs> <laughs> is it weird that I thought of the same joke? No, honestly, it's not that weird. I think I think we are synced up enough at this point that it's, it's going to happen. But anyways, we are going to listen to the trailer for Z for Zachariah, and then come back and give you... Uh, our review. Hey, 
ain't seen anyone alive for over a year. My dad told us he can't leave the valley. As long as we stay here, we'd be protected. Crazy, this is still here. Why are you doing the work by hand? You can't drive this? Ran out of gas. Pumps don't run without electricity. Oh, well, you can get it to work manually. Hey! It worked! Really means something that you think in long term for us. I want things to be good between us. It's okay because we got time. <laughs> Caleb. Hey! No, 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 it's all right. This guy could be anybody for all we know. This valley survived like you and I did because we have faith. So what's your plan? <laughs> I've seen the way that you look at each other. If you need to figure it out, figure it out. I found out a lot of stuff about you. I was sick of being on my own. Jealousy doesn't suit you, sir. I love you. You fancy wager? Okay, so you just listened to the trailer for Z for Zachariah, and as we said before, it is the, you know, some event has taken place on our planet, which has wiped out most of civilization, but there happens to be this weird little valley where uh, a young woman has been living uh, in the aftermath of whatever happened, Um, and she seems to be in this protected zone where everything is fine and dandy. One day, a man walks into her area she helps him recover, and they start living their life together in this house, and eventually another man comes walking in. And uh, it's sort of the story of these people in a world in which they may or may not be the last people left on the planet. Stephen, what did you think of this film? I thought this it was building to be a pretty good film, um, and then the good part never really came. Um, <laughs> So, uh, like we both alluded to, uh, for the bulk of the movie, or at least for half of it, then this is a movie about two people finding each other after this uh, nuclear holocaust. And it brings up all sorts of themes that seem like they're going to pay off. There's, like, faith versus versus science. That's a really heavy one. I mean, the name of it comes from a book of the Bible. He sees her reading A for Adam. She believes in God. He's a scientist. He wants to tear down a church. <laughs> I I think that's minor enough to not be considered a spoiler. If I didn't know better, I would say you're making that shit up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, so it's definitely building to this, like, God versus nature, God versus mankind, what will progress do to us. Um, and it has plenty of other themes, too, like aforementioned Last Man on Earth, which I have to think, like, this movie was filmed in the beginning of 2014 and last man on earth came out in March of 2015. And I imagine the director Craig Zobel, like he's sitting on a lazy boy nursing a beer. 
happy, like the festival circuit is over. He's made this brooding movie about what would you do if you were the last people on earth? <laughs> he turns on TV to catch that Fox comedy everyone talks about. And then he's just like, shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Somebody else is going to explore this. And the thing is, he brings up those themes, but he doesn't really explore them. Like, Last Man on Earth at least tried to show the ramifications of some of these feelings. This, like, it gives lip service to the way people would behave after the apocalypse, and it promises to have this kind of, like, scary power play full of, like, you know, racial tension and all the implicit feelings of, like, this man who came from nowhere who is suddenly in charge and do you trust him and how will you know how will they get to know each other how will this play out and then in walks caleb um (laughs) hunky southern good old boy caleb (laughs) to turn this into a love triangle but it's like a very imbalanced love triangle because we don't get to know much about caleb like he has blue eyes and jesus and he um some he has some <laughs> immunity to radiation. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even. I don't even think he has immunity to it. He just wasn't exposed to that much of it, or something. I don't know. Yeah, and, and so it plays it as this weird tale of like jealousy instead of being about what the themes of the movie were that we've been presented. And like normally, I'd be okay with that. I mean, it, it was an interestingly filmed movie. Like it built tension pretty nicely. But it built it in a way like Interstellar, where like it feels like it's so grand and sure of itself in the way that it slow burns and has like indulgent shots of nature and characters say philosophical things to each other with this gravitas as if like, trust me, I'm an artist and I'm going to blow your mind. Just stay with me for this movie. <laughs> and then it turns it into this love triangle and just doesn't at all conclude i mean it it doesn't have a payoff and after framing yourself as being this important philosophically heavy movie when you wind up having nothing to say it's just really really frustrating yeah um yeah so like i think if the movie didn't take itself so seriously i would be i would be kind of okay with the aimlessness and the fact that it it chose to go in a direction that i don't understand but it was just so Christopher Nolan is smug about itself that like <laughs> I I was pretty annoyed when it closed credits and nothing has really happened. Yeah. There there was that one moment though where Margot Robbie was like, I think that love is the one thing that transcends time and space. Yeah, it was weird. He directly <laughs> lifted that. No, but speaking of direct lifting, and credit goes to Victoria for noticing this actually, um a scene in the movie that I thought was like one of the most affecting scenes (laughs) happens towards the very end and it involves Margot Robbie and a cup. And that is like a shot for shot remake of uh, the ending of the film Stalker, which is basically just a movie that is better than this in every way. (laughs) Um, So it's kind of like Christopher Nolan with, uh, you know, homages to Kubrick and everything where like it could feel loving, but, because it feels so self-satisfied, it, it seems more, like, delusional. <laughs> huh. All right. Well, <laughs> I am not familiar with uh, Stalker, and I can't think of the scene in my head right now. So, 
<laughs> uh, she pushes a cup off the table. Oh, what the? What was that scene? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that, that's why I forgot it because I remember th- like when that was happening, I was like, "Why is this it, even? What is happening?" So, like in context of the other film, it makes sense. Here, it's like most of the movie; it's mood building, but it doesn't build anything. It's just like moody ambiance. Yeah. No, I, I feel you there. Like for me, the beginning of this film, I thought was great. There's no, there's no time spent, uh, you know, trying to explain what happened to the world. There's no explanation really of why she's there, why this other person is stumbling into like her area where she's been living for the last X number of time. And, uh, it's sort of just this interesting look at how you would survive in some valley that was miraculously, uh, untouched by nuclear fallout or, you know, whatever, um, and I really, really enjoyed that. Um, I even, you know, once he's in the camp, their interactions together, I really enjoyed too, because you're kind of seeing how they, uh, learn to work together and how he's sort of just like, he's glad to see another person there, but he's almost more like, you know, in, in last man on earth, you know, a comedy, it's a dude who's just trying to figure out how he can sleep with the, the girl that he's just met. Um, mm-hmm. and in this, like, He's almost in a way unconcerned with the fact that he has like a young female there with him. And he's more like, you know, maybe it's his scientific nature, but he's more like amazed that this world has been untouched and that she's been here alone and has like this whole like, you know, farm full of stuff that she's like been growing and how like she she has what seems like if if, you, if in your head you picture a post-apocalyptic world. And then you look at what she has. Like, she has this awesome thing that she's built mm-hmm. in this, like, world where everything's gone. And she's, like, she's not she's not depressed. She's not, uh, you know, distraught. She's not any other word that starts with D and means bad stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Disenfranchised. Yeah. Um, she's, like, kind of doing fine, even though she's alone. And he's sort of just... Like he he's now with her, but he still kind of wants to be alone. It takes him a while to warm up warm up to her, and I really kind of enjoyed their getting to know each other and kind of getting to become a unit together. Uh, I kind of didn't like the really hand, heavy handed like I'm a scientist and I want to tear down the church and her like, <laughs> but I'm a religious person and I just want the church there because my daddy done built it. You know, like <laughs> that that was. That was kind of like, Ugh, okay, we get it. Science versus... Oh, but Chris Pine is going to just be very, very <laughs> profound in his, like, Tumblr GIF style thought on the subject. <laughs> the church was in you the whole time. And... <laughs> when he said Tumblr GIF, I'm assuming him clapping his hands, crying at glory. Glory! <laughs> Anyways, uh... I so so I'm like kind of like you know cool I'm on board with this movie like it's pretty interesting um but the problem is that I know this other man has to arrive and because I've seen you know 100 million other films I know instinctively that if this man arrives he has to be evil <laughs> in some way and he <laughs> has to be a threat to the happy movie that we have so far so like there's these 
which, which is weird that they're selling this story as like, uh, like, hey, there's this love triangle in this movie because it takes so long to get to the love triangle. And like there's these these scenes where like Margot Robbie goes out and she's like, OK, I'm going to get some eggs. That's weird. There's no eggs today. That's funny. It's almost as if somebody took the eggs. <laughs> you know, like, and then there's like a scene where she's playing her organ and then there's a reflection in the mirror. And they have this scene where like she's like, huh, you didn't like my playing? And like he just is completely oblivious that like she saw somebody and she thinks it's <laughs> him, but it's not. He's just like, what you talking about, silly girl? <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> Like, so it's like they're trying to do these things that in a normal movie would be like there would be a big like like chord sound there to let you know that something's wrong but they're sort of just not and then the man no go, well, there's big chords through the whole movie so you don't notice when they, exactly. when they play in this scene but like then we get this person come in and i just from then on out the movie sort of just goes well you know let me let me step back a little bit from like the the original guy who who's who's there like the scientist there is an aspect that i really kind of enjoyed about his character like like at that point where he is like okay so he is the older man who's a man of science who's a different color than this young girl who's a man of a man of god and just <laughs> like significantly younger than him assuming and uh, like they just have very different backgrounds and suddenly this man that comes in who's very much pl- at least pretending to be as far as he knows like be exactly the type of person she would be with in general so I kind of I kind of like that aspect of him thinking they had a good thing going and then now this man comes and like like I was joking earlier is the sort of more serious version of last man on earth you know like he has a reason to now kind of be threatened but mm-hmm that doesn't really go more than a few scenes and specifically how he handles those feelings just i don't it just it felt weird and like not silly but just way heightened for the conversation that they actually had to have like mm-hmm. you know what i mean like that first conversation where he's like well i have to tell you something i want to tell you know, like the whisper scene like i i just Basically, this movie starts bringing in a bunch of things that I just don't understand the motivation behind, and it just runs itself in the ground for me after that point. Yeah, people definitely behave in very unmotivated ways, it feels like, uh, towards the end. Yeah. But I don't know, even like, you mentioned that for the first half, this was very good, and I'm not sure I feel that. I feel like this could have been the first half to something very good because all the payoff was going to happen in the second half. Yeah, yeah. And short of that, I feel like no half of this movie was very good. Well, yeah. Once you look at the sum total of everything, like the, the beginning stuff wasn't good. But like, you know, going back to my analogy I make every now and again on this podcast, if I was watching the movie, and oh, by the way, we didn't mention this is available now on VOD. That's how we watched it. Um, so if for some reason, like Comcast decided to do what it always does and just shut off my internet halfway through the movie while I was streaming it or renting it or downloading it or whatever the hell, and I only watched the first half, I would I would have actually wanted to get back to the movie um, mm-hmm. because I was interested in what was happening so far. Um and like I was happy that they weren't there weren't like a bunch of scenes where they're like, why don't you tell me how the world got destroyed? Because like people who have been living in it 
would not have that conversation with each other. Right. <laughs> you know, they wouldn't have the moment at the end of No Escape where they're like, Daddy, why don't you tell me a story about how I was born? <laughs> yeah, it definitely, it it has the kind of restraint that is like really good when you're going to build it towards something. <laughs> yeah, But yeah. like, yeah, restraint when you aren't going to give me anything else is almost more of a negative than a positive. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I mean, I, I do have to say the the acting and the mood building was pretty good in this movie. Uh, and Margot Robbie impressed me. I don't think I've seen her in a purely dramatic role before. I don't, it depends what you define Wolf of Wall Street, I guess. But <laughs> I wouldn't say she was acting very heavily in that movie. <laughs> um, that wasn't the predominant trait anyway. <laughs> but... Yeah, she does a great job. Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor in general does, though I felt a few times it felt too heightened, like his reaction to things. It was, it was like it was always the end of 12 Years a Slave and he's like gasping for air. <laughs> I don't know. It felt a little, a little too dramatic. But in general, like everyone does a pretty good job. The movie just doesn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's... Actually, you know what? I don't even think Chris Pine did that great a job. <laughs> I, I mean, he always plays Chris Pine, but he's believable as Chris Pine here. Yeah, I, I, I guess I just... Maybe this isn't even his fault. Maybe it's the movie's fault as a whole, but I kind of... If I at least knew what the hell he was doing any at any moment in the movie, I would maybe feel more confident about his performance. But, like, there's nothing in what he's doing that leads me to believe the material believes one way or another about his character you know what i mean like like because this is a love triangle and because he came second he's supposed to be the bad guy (laughs) but well like like religion and everything else he's just like an idea that the director had he isn't (laughs) fleshed out he's just like a force of conversation (laughs) yeah which is interesting because uh you have a little tidbit of information to add about the fact that he feels added to the story yeah, so Wikipedia tells me that the original story does not have a third person. There's no <laughs> such thing as Caleb in the book. And in fact, if you read the synopsis on Wikipedia, that is the movie that the first half of this was building towards. And it, it seems a hell of a lot more interesting than than what we wound up getting. Yeah. So I don't really know why they decided to turn the tables. Like, the Wikipedia story is one I have not seen before. Whereas this is one that, unfortunately for them, I've seen, like, multiple times in the last 12 months. Yeah. Well, what's interesting, too, is, like, we're complaining about this thing building to something that doesn't happen and not specifically a thing. Just that, like, we think it's building towards a thing and nothing happens. So it's really, it just makes everything else seem pointless. There was a moment towards the end, and I almost feel that, like what I'm envisioning in my head could have been the true ending to this film. And they tack on a scene right before the credits just to undo that scene. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'll have to wait till spoilers to get into it. But like there was a moment like two minutes before the end of this film where I was actually starting to come around on the movie based on where I thought it was going. And then of course, naturally it didn't go there. And I just I, went huh? I, I think I have the same exact problem as you do. <laughs> okay, well, so we we should save it for spoilers. All right, good. It will be pretty funny if we think we do have the same. If we do, are <laughs> we literally are thinking the same thing? <laughs> uh, 
I, that'll make the movie so much more enjoyable just just knowing that we both thought it was going to go to this one place um but anyways yeah i mean do, do you have any last comments about uh the film i mean is there anything else left non-spoilery to talk about no i mean it, it's hard to be vague about it the yeah i feel like we need to get into it because on the surface it looks like it would be a great movie <laughs> um it just is not all right. Well, uh, I guess we should just jump along to the verdict then and then go into spoilers. Sure. Cool. Um, Stephen, if you're going to give this a must-see, I reckon with the caveat, wait for until past the caveat or must-avoid, what would you give it? I feel like I'm inclined to be harsher than I should be. <laughs> I mean, I gave no escape but wait for rental, I think. <laughs> um, and this, like... Like, this movie clearly aims higher. It is, like, small, and it tries to do something. But I don't know, like, Interstellar, that the smugness that it has with trying to do something profound, throwing in, like, biblical references and names, and then having no payoff or exploration of them, like, kind of makes me want to punch it in the face. So (laughs) I'll give it a pass with a caveat, only because Must Avoid is reserved for things that are actually, like, terrible. That are, but, that are actually like Queen of Earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I haven't seen it yet, so maybe that's the best movie of the year. We'll see. Um, uh, I hope. I hope that Sarah just heard that and then she's going to send me a bunch of angry texts because that'll be <laughs> that'll make that joke worth it. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I guess the the caveat is I don't think this is actually a terrible film. Like it's decently well made and well acted. The mood is nice. Like. The cinematography is nice. It's just all kind of bland, and there's no reason to see it. Yeah, and and also it's weird that because usually it's like the movie's coming out, and it's like wait for rental would be that it's not good enough to see right now. But since the movie is VOD'd, like waiting for rental is actually sort of like recommend with a caveat. Yeah, wait, wait for Netflix. <laughs> I, I think that's how we should rename wait it. Wait for free rental. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it a pass to the caveat also. Um, or recommend watching half of it and just turning it off. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll, reading the Wikipedia entry. Didn't you almost do that, though? Because we recorded No Escape in Meru in between you finishing the movie, right? That's right, we did. So I was watching... Was it a good movie at the time? <laughs> no, it, it, it was a good movie. Like, I was I was totally enjoying it at that point in the film. Uh, you know, our friend hadn't shown up yet. And, uh, yeah, so that... Yeah, yeah. So it, it was a good movie up until that. So past the caveat, caveat being if you have to watch the whole thing, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> then, uh, then, then it falls to lower, but... For the most part, the beginning is enjoyable. And like you said, it's well acted and all that jazz. So. Cool. Cool. Well, uh, what do you say that we fade up some music and then get ready for spoilers, Stephen? Let's do it. Throw in that fake Hans Zimmer soundtrack. <laughs> all right. Uh, if you're listening just to know whether or not you should rent this movie, then, well... There you have it. Uh, You might as well just stay through the spoilers because we don't think you should rent this movie. Um, Yeah, we're going to talk about spoilers in just a minute. All 
right, we are back. This is spoiler territory for the Spoiler Warning Podcast. We are talking mad spoilers for uh, this film, Z for Zachariah. Uh, do you want to talk about some little plot things before we get to our big reveal of whether or not we had the same theory of the ending? Well, let's start with the big question, which is, what's he standing on the edge of for? <laughs> How long have you been holding that in? About 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, for people who haven't caught on, uh, there's a point where he's standing on a ledge, and also mm-hmm. his last name is... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but anyway, yeah, I, that was a point where I still thought the film could do something very interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, okay, maybe we should back well, up, yeah, I let, guess. Let's, let's, let's backtrack and then we can reveal what we think was going to happen there. But mm-hmm. so in general, one of my big problems with the introduction of, you know, the third part to this triangle is that Chris Pine's character, though he makes kind of evilly looks and sounds like he's being manipulative all the time, he has zero agenda in this film. Like, mm-hmm. the one time that he hooks up with Margot Robbie, it's because, question mark, Margot Robbie wanted to sleep with uh, Edgy 4 <laughs> Yeah. And he was too drunk and passed out to do anything, so she just goes to Chris Pine's room? Like, yeah. that, that makes zero freaking sense. Yeah, I don't understand her motivations there. And I don't know what the point is. Like, okay, so the film... It tries to hint a few times that one of the issues with this man of science, you know, the godless, <laughs> the godless black man in the movie, <laughs> um, <laughs> is that he likes to get drunk. <laughs> I mean, there's that, like, I thought pretty lamely acted moment when he goes into the convenience store and drinks, like, four beers. Yeah. And he's just completely belligerent, saying things he would never say normally. And she looks at him... And kind of just sees this person with this demon, like this person that she doesn't like at all. And then, you know, he tries to rape her or something later. And then by this point, again, like he has professed his love. She maybe feels the same. And then he's passed out, I guess, drunk because they've all been drinking wine together, which is the okay thing to drink. Like beer is bad. Wine is good. Yeah. Well, they blessed it first. <laughs> okay. Yeah, of course. <laughs> And then, yeah, within, like, 30 seconds, she just walks over and decides, well, you know, Caleb's fine, too. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, right here. I was just really horny right now, and somebody's got to give me something. Yeah. Which is also, yeah, which is also th- the weird thing, because, like, you know, in, in this exact same scenario in Last Man on Earth, the girl he's with, like, needs them to get married and stuff so that they can procreate. So they've even had, like, at this point in the film... Uh, you know, those two, before Chris Pine shows up, have had weird offhanded comments about, like, possibly rebuilding, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. Like, and literally, that's the entire conversation is, I don't know, you know, like, if we tried to rebuild things, and then she gets this stupid look on her face, like, oh, he means sex. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just forgot where I was going <laughs> with that conversation. But, no, like, so, ba- basically... It, it, it's built her up to be... M- 
the prudent one, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, not the person who's just going to turn on a dime to this other character. Well, no, no, what, what I was going to say we is we like, nothing about. I would expect her as the stereotypical religious person to not think it's okay for them to just like willy nilly have sex mm-hmm. for no, for non procreation reasons. And uh, oh, do you call it willy nilly? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Is it willy nilly? Is what they call in the <laughs> south. <laughs> Um, anyways, uh, damn it. I'm trying to, trying to like keep my thought going and it keeps getting messed up. But, uh, but like, so like, that's kind of what you're expecting. So like, first thing that happens is, as you said, he like, he doesn't actually expressly try to rape her, but it's like, it's, if you're watching, that's what you think is going to happen. Like she's pinned against the wall. He's like screaming at her in that, like any other movie, he's like angry, but then just starts making out with her. But in this one, he literally is just angry, I guess. I don't need you anymore. Like, <laughs> so, like that's, uh, or I don't need you all the time. Anyways, <clears throat> so it's just really uncomfortable. And you're like, where is this going? Don't let this happen. This is bad. Like, uh, why are you doing this? Like, there's no reason for this in the movie. And then it doesn't happen. You're like, cool. But the very next night, she just walks in his room and like pulls off her dress. And then he was like, whoa, no, we don't want to do any of that, honey. Like, this is like, just chill yeah, out. Yeah, well, and I think that is the point in the movie where the director like took the original book and just threw it out a window. <laughs> because the original book, it is building towards his character being that kind of violent, forceful, I'm in control, you are my wife, we're going to rebuild thing. Okay. And and it's seen as, like, horrifying. In this movie, they give you a glimpse of that, but then we're more supposed to sympathize with him and see him as, like, a good-intentioned man. It, it It's a really weird way to take the movie. So it, it, do you think it's then... Do you think it's a conscious effort to not only role reverse, but change the means for who's in command? So, like, if the original story was him being an overbearing person who uses the fact that he's, like, a man and stronger, you know, blah, 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 um, to, like, take control and force her into doing whatever, do you think it was, like, a conscious effort to not only reverse who was in charge, but make it so that she's using compassion to control him, quote-unquote, instead of, like, forcefulness? It it could have been, and I can, you know, on paper, I can imagine reasons for doing that. Yeah. Like, you know, telling a story where little Margot Robbie has Chiwetel Ejiofor be, like, the domineering presence in her life. Like, that maybe wouldn't play too well right now because of the way they chose to cast it. Yeah. So... Yeah, I could appreciate them trying to turn the tables, but then they don't... They don't make her be domineering either. I mean, no one, no one is domineering in this movie. Everyone is just who they are, and then Mister <laughs> Mister Loomis kills Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's go on to that for a second. So, yeah. I mean, clearly he doesn't like him. <laughs> sure, but there is a sense of like they like he needs all the hands he can. Get, right like he, he he needs to build that wheel yeah he needs to be the build the wheel um he's literally reinventing the wheel mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but like he also i think at this point in the film he's kind of well first of all it up until this one bit of dialogue it feels like he's sort of realized that he's not that much of a threat like 
he is his existence is technically a threat and he could easily be a threat if he wanted to but he seems to sort of just want to do his own thing yeah and doesn't really like he's not trying to insert himself he's just sort of there and it, it kind of seems like everything should be good now like they have an understanding but then he has that thing where he tries to like lie and he basically he he, he puts all his cards on the table but he plays them face up and he's bluffing mm-hmm. <laughs> and and uh you know he's He's trying to like play like, oh yeah, like she don't even like you and stuff, and she don't care if you leave. <laughs> like mm-hmm. he like before he made that comment, it was pretty clear that Chris Pine was gonna just go because he didn't have a reason to be there. But then like he's like, you know what? I don't think that's right, and he's like, I'm gonna stick around. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like he did it to himself. But like rather than just have a scene where he a- actually kills him on purpose, there's this weird like oh, shit, I'm falling, and then he saves him because deep down inside, he's actually a good man. But then I feel like Chris Pine purposely falls again just to give him a chance to kill him. I I didn't have that read. I did think it was a little too convenient that he slipped, and what I thought it was going with, actually, and I kind of held out hope until the screen cut to black, was that he didn't kill him, that he saved his life, and in return, Chris Pine decided to leave. Like, yeah. like that was his good deed to him was to to leave this place. Like, you could but, have killed me here, and you didn't. So I will concede. Yeah. I will leave. Thank you for sparing my life. And we'll both go our own ways. Like, that sort of thing. Yeah, but that is in no way how the movie plays out. No. <laughs> like, the movie doesn't explicitly tell you that he died, but the beats of it don't make any sense any other way. (laughs) Which leads to him standing on the edge, looking down, and what I thought might have been an interesting moment of redemption, though it... I'm not sure it would have redeemed anything, but I thought he was maybe going to jump at that moment. Yeah, yeah, so that's what I thought too. But here's what I liked about me thinking that that was not going to happen. Like this, This is what I thought the movie was building to is that he had come to the realization that this woman was innocent, like, enough, and was doing fine on her own. She had everything she needed. She had her chapel, which the two men took away from her. She Mm -hmm. had, like, all this farm, which their mere presence was going to limit the amount of resources they could collect, that he realized that he doesn't, like, he's not good for her that Caleb's not good for her and that really what he can do is give her power to kind of pay the debt of him having been there for the last however long the hell this movie's supposed to be because I feel like they sort of just jump around time and just take a bunch of shorthands like there should have been a montage but they just cut out the montage and assume you'll know it's been a month or something like that Um, but I feel like he was like if I can just deliver the power to her so that she can survive on the power she has enough to get her through the winter then remove both men from the equation that she can go on living her life grow old and die there in peace without being disturbed by the the presence of two men who really only bring darkness to her uh her situation um, yeah it would have been a very literal girl, girl power ending <laughs> but, <laughs> but like i i kind of that the thought that, that was happening sort of redeemed the movie for me um just because it felt like the character 
I don't know, doing something interesting. I, 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 I can't really put it to words. Right. I still, I still don't think by that point any ending would have like redeemed it for me. But at least it would feel like a, a coda on the whole thing. It would be like, okay, we began with only Anne. Two people walk in. They cause chaos. And then they leave. Like, and the Garden of Eden is innocent again, or however you want to read it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it would have at least had a poetic ending, whereas the one we get in the end is just, well, <laughs> time to go back to the farm. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I feel like, I almost feel like the ending scene where Caleb comes back in, like, because that's, that's the same scene where she pushes the water off the edge, right? Yeah. She's like, eh. Screw you, water glass. Yeah, it, it's supposed to seem like he is going to jump, like that thud, I think. <laughs> I didn't even think of those two things. Really? I combined them, definitely. At all. I was too busy going, like, what is she doing with that water? <laughs> but, I, yeah, so, like, I assume that that's what was happening. That's what it meant with him staring off into the water at the edge of that ledge was him, like, removing himself from the equation, having just removed the other guy from the equation. But in both scenes, there's a person dangling on an edge and a cut to black. The first mm-hmm. time that happens, we're, we're to understand that, like, he's dead. Um, the second time that happens, naturally, you should assume the same thing. But then, just, like, for no reason, Caleb comes walking back in and then... Or not, not Caleb, uh... Mr. Loomis. Yeah, Mr. Loomis. If Caleb had walked back in and Mr. Loomis were dead, I would be at least intrigued by the ending. <laughs> yeah, that's some really radioactive water. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So, so Mr. Loomis, he comes walking back in and he just sits down and he's like, time for credits? And Margo goes, yeah. <laughs> and the credits roll. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's, like, I just don't know. It feels like that was tacked on because people didn't like the darkness of a double, like, or a murder-suicide. Mm-hmm. But at the very least, then, the screen could have cut to black with him standing on the edge. Or maybe with the with the cup scene after that. Like, it, it felt like it was trying to be an ambiguous ending, but it doesn't actually end ambiguously at all. Like, there's no there's no ambiguity in the ending. Yeah, and there's no, like... There's no, we just made it out, or we're the last people to survive. There's no, it's just like, okay, so now they just grow happy on the farm together, and he carries with them his whole life the secret that he murdered this other guy. Mm-hmm. Like, and then, so there, there's this scene too in the middle where, like, it's so ridiculous too, because out of nowhere, Mr. Loomis just goes, yeah, there's this boy who whose description mysteriously fits your missing brother and i totally just let him die and then like chris pine didn't go like oh yeah that's kind of weird he was like oh yeah i watched some guys <laughs> murder the shit out of each other and i just watched it because it's pretty cool and like i i know how babies taste <laughs> basically and then like the weirdest part about it was she's like more sympathetic to chris pine's character like at least that's the way i kind of read it like she was like oh how how rough are you it's like, why did you take a weird already conversation and just one up it with even weirder shit? Like, I don't, I have no way to understand why that scene is in the movie other than to add the segue so he could confess that he he murdered her brother in, I guess, defense. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. Well, and and so talking about diverging from the book too, 
Uh, in the book, the person he murdered is not her brother. And also the barn thing, like or uh, the church thing, taking apart the church, that doesn't happen in the book either. Huh. So all of those things were just added by the director. See, what would be really weird is if a lot more time in the story passes, and the person he had murdered or thought twist he had murdered was actually the Chris Pine character. Ooh. And that he came back, and it turns out he didn't really die. He Like, maybe he was choking him, and then he passed out, but he didn't die, and he thought he was dead, so then he walks away, and then maybe, like, four years pass. Like, maybe, yeah, he was like, all right, we'll just say that he was, like, 17 then, and then now he's like, whatever, like, X number of years has passed, and he's living on the farm, and he comes walking up, and then it's not till a lot later, maybe when they're together working on the wheel, that the one guy says something or maybe like a necklace pops out of his shirt and then he realizes that's the boy he tried to murder and then Caleb tries to kill Mr. Loomit. Like there's just a million better things you could do with this story. Like that would be more interesting. Like, and that's the thing too, is if, if you're going to have a quote unquote twist like that at the end of the story, all of that stuff in between could be meaningless because you're not building towards those things mattering. You're building towards the revelation that, that one act that was supposedly in self-defense was actually this person who's here now to enact revenge. Like, there's just so much more you could do with that story. It, it would be a much different story and maybe not the one this director and whoever wanted to tell, but I just... There's a lot of interesting things you could have done with the story. Or what if instead of Caleb, his name was Abel, and at the end of the movie, <laughs> Mr. Loomis reveals his full name, like, call me Kane, Kane Loomis. Uh, it's getting too big, biblical. Um, or what would have been really, really weird is if it was still the brother, and when he choked him out, he got a little brain damage, so he forgot who he was, and he was actually her brother, and then they sleep together, all Star Wars, almost Star Wars style. Ooh, <laughs> oh, boy. And then we could have got, like, really dark with the story. And that's how the population rebuilds. Yeah. <laughs> it's the prequel to The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyways, I just, I don't know. There's just there's so many things you could do. Like I, I literally just wrote the four versions of this movie right here. Right. <laughs> Though I'm not sure any of them, like, I don't know what ending the movie was building towards because all of those would have been like a twist kind of like a big, a shock ending. Yeah. Um, I don't know how this movie would have ended and been worth it <laughs> i don't know it, it, it's hard to imagine the book version is a nice step in the book she's like 16 by the way so the power dynamic is way more uncomfortable yikes or if like at, at the end they're like like the, the whole movie they've been fighting over but actually fighting over not this like half sort of they're both pre just their presence is the threat but they're not actually trying to be threatening to each other and they're fighting and they're fighting and they're fighting and then they like tumble down this hill and stop at like this gravestone and it's like her name. And it turns Ooh. out she's been dead the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> They're in purgatory. And yes. this is how it's decided where they'll go. How they react in this moment. Yes. Z Hashtag Z's for Zachariah. Yeah. Well, Stephen. Well, Chris. <laughs> Any last thoughts on the film? No. No, I think I can end it with that. <laughs> All right. Cool. Why don't you let everybody know where they can find you? If people want to find me, they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. 
Uh, if people want to find me, they can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning or like us at Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com. You can use the contact form on our site. Or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW at 760-575-4879. Music uh, for this episode will come from that fake Hans Zimmer score, as Steven referred to it earlier. <laughs> so hopefully you're enjoying Z's that. for Zimmer. Oh, there you go. Um, but uh, yeah, that is a review of Z for Zachariah. Hopefully... You enjoyed it more than we enjoyed the movie? Hopefully some people did, though nobody loved it. When I look at reviews, it's like two star to three and a half, like, unanimously. (laughs) Everyone is like, huh. Yeah. (laughs) It was doing something. And that's it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess we should just take off then. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I had a weird thought, but then it trailed away. So uh, thanks for joining me, Stephen. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time.